Call to order for the regular school committee meeting of Monday, October 2nd, 2023 at 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Fitchburg City Hall Campus Legislative Building. Executive session is not necessary at this time. School committee members and student reports. Oh, I'm sorry. Prep. Call the water and salute to the flag. School committee chair report nothing at this time. Resource committee. Resource and school building needs will be meeting in Longo Middle School tomorrow evening. Any questions, comments, concerns? Seeing none, school building needs. Uh, we're meeting Stevens. tomorrow evening. Meeting tomorrow evening, thank you. Policy committee. Mr. Horgan is not here at this time. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. If I may, I was acting, yeah. acting uh, chairman. All right, good. Thank at you, our sir. Policy meeting. Uh, <clears throat> we had our meeting uh, on a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember the exact date we had the meeting, but with issues that were discussed uh, entrance age, age we took in the, uh, taking the attendance policy uh, from Mr. Brogdon at the high school. He was proposing a number of things. Uh, uh, being um, the school entrance age policy, door security, and attendance policy at Fitchburg High School. So those are a number of things, and we do have this information right before us. And what we're going to be doing is bringing this back to some parts of it needs to go back to our subcommittee so we can kind of flush out better. Because um, I know uh, Ms. Reynolds had a few questions that was not answered. Uh, we allowed Mr. Brogdon more time to go back and uh, get more information uh, to bring back to her at that time. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Any questions? Seeing none, Student Support Committee. Dr. Knight is not with us this evening. School Personnel Committee. I have nothing to report at this time. Or for Executive Committee as well. Student Representatives, take it away. Good evening, fellow School Committee members. It is so great to be with all of you again today. Firstly, we'd like to touch on some events happening at Fitchburg High. We had a speaker, Karen St. Germain, an alum from Fitchburg High, class of 1983, come speak to our students about her experiences working at NASA. Along with this, we also had 183 senior students attend the NEAC College Fair field slash field trip at Mount Wachusett with the help of our Gear Up services. National Gear Up Week was also last week in which both seniors and juniors got to listen to a very well-presented speech by Mr. D, <coughs> one of our Gear Up counselors, on self-love and how having self-love can benefit you in your career and life in general. Well, Memorial Middle School is also having a great start to its year so far. To help students enhance in the next level, the school is now impl implementing free after-school tutoring sessions for students starting this month. Memorial is also hosting a super fun, fantastic Hispanic Heritage Month celebration this Friday, October 6th, in which there will all be art, music, dancing, spoken word, and more throughout the performance. Furthermore, Crocker has been having a very productive start as well. They have already had their first whole school morning meeting around the Positivity Project, which is their cell curriculum that they utilize heavily throughout the year. I would also like to touch on some very important talk topics. 
As some of you may know, I'm a part of the Fitchburg High School Black Student Union, and I wanted to share an important idea we have been trying to plan out for the last month. One of the BSU's main goals since the start in 2022 has been to take a trip to Washington, D.C. to visit Howard University, a very high-level HBCU, the African American Museum, and meet some legislators within the Black Caucus. We are dedicated to making this opportunity <clears throat> present to seniors within the class of 2024 and future seniors within the BSU as well in order for students to embrace and explore their cultural backgrounds. Our advisor, Mr. D, is presenting this idea to the resource committee later this month, but I still wanted to make this idea known to the school committee. As a follow-up, I also wanted to comment on what I have noticed so far within Fitchburg High regarding class selection and opportunity. I had a discussion with one of my friends recently about her career goals and the class she decided to take this year to prepare for it. She wants to become a nurse or be in the medical field in some way and has been super excited to come to school and learn because she's finally able to learn about her field of interest through her nursing math class and financial classes. I bring this up because I, as a student who's always wanted these class opportunities, I appreciate Fitchburg High School working so hard to ensure their students are growing more and more prepared for their futures. Lastly, just to pick, piggyback off what Mr. Hughes said at the last meeting, we FHS students want to see Big Poppy David Ortiz at Fenway. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Any questions? Thank you. you. Very well done. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. Approval of the minutes of the regular school committee meeting of September 11th, 2023. So moved. Motion made. Second. Seconded. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed is unanimous. Thank you. Communications. Delegates for the 2023 Mass, Mass Joint Conference, November 8th through the 11th, 2023. Any nominations? I'd like to nominate Mr. Stevens as delegate for the 2023 MASC slash MASS Joint Conference in November. And I don't know if you vote on that now or vote it when we do all the action items. It's an action item. It's an action item, so we'll do it at that time. And I second that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So we also need an alternate, too. We need an alternate. Do you know who else is attending, Mr. Thompson? Um, I do not. Last year, Dr. Knight did attend, I think. Um, I don't know if her plans are to attend uh, this year. I have not heard from her. Uh, I could register her if she goes. I could register her at the meeting. Okay. So we'll wait. We'll wait for. Uh, we got to talk to her about whether she's interested or not. Yeah, if she is and she goes, I, yeah. will, I will uh, All right. bring it to Glenn Cuccio. Okay, good. Thank you. Moving on, public comment. Anyone wishing to make public comment, please go to the center podium, state your name and your address, please. My name is Jim Marks. I'm with the Teamsters Local 170. I represent the first student drivers. Um, my address is 8 Wild Rose Ave, Worcester, Mass. Good evening. Thank you for letting me speak tonight. I'm here tonight with the school bus drivers behind me who drive for a student and service the Fishburg School District. We are here tonight to show our dissatisfaction with the recent decision to pull a driver from Route 49 because of an incident that happened on the bus that day. 
I've had a discussion with the transportation manager, Donna Hildreth, and was trying to get a meeting with Acting Superintendent Thompson to discuss and avoid us coming to the school committee meeting tonight. Unfortunately, because of the lack of interest on Superintendent, Tom Superintendent Thompson's part, that meeting never happened. I'm here tonight in hopes that the school committee will listen and hear from us why this was a wrong decision by the district and act and ask for the driver to be put back on her run effective immediately. Now I know some of you might be saying this would be a first student issue as they work for them, but the district moved the driver, not first student. The situation is not new to the district or to first student. Last year, the same student was removed from transportation in its entirety because of the behavior of this child. Last year, there was 20 plus write-ups 10 to 12 times the videos were pulled for review, and finally the district acted and removed the child from the bus. This year the student was allowed to ride the bus again, and after only a few days of, beha of the behavior of this child was in question. On this day, the driver pulled over and would not resume the route as she was concerned the child might act on some, th on some threats that she was hearing. Uh, and those threats can be heard on the videotape. It is the driver's responsibility to protect those children on the bus, and the driver did just that, making sure that all the children stayed safe while someone of authority came to the bus. Now, yes, it was a hot day, and yes, they were on the side of the road for 13 minutes, the 16 minutes, but that small delay to make sure kids of other parents, kids, of, kids and other parents' kids are safe and are able to arrive back to their parents that night. In the world we live in today, we need to act, and that's exactly what the driver did. Now, you all know how hard it is and has been and still is to get drivers uh, to drive a school bus. And if the drivers did something wrong that warranted her removal, I would not be here today. Drivers have a huge responsibility making sure they get these kids to their destinations on time without incident keeping the bus in order, along with making sure there is no bullying happening and the kids are seated and respecting each other, all while driving. Drivers are responsible for making sure these kids get off the bus at the right stop and are safe before they move on. These drivers are trained to accomplish all these tasks and transport uh, the most precious cargo, which is other people's children. We believe that the decision to remove the driver was a wrong decision and the district needs to act and fix the integrity of the transportation system within Fitchburg Public Schools. Drivers drive these routes on a daily basis and know what is right and know what is wrong, but sometimes the driver's suggestions get brushed off. We ask that the driver get put back on Route 49 and the district evaluates how issues are addressed and the way we go about disciplining drivers who only, whose only wrongdoing was keeping kids safe. I would welcome any discussions you would like to have regarding this matter uh, or any meetings you would like to schedule to resolve this issue. I pre appreciate your attention on this matter. I would also ask the district to evaluate and look at the relationship that transportation manager Don Donna Hildreth has um, with this family because our, un our, our understanding, and it cannot be clarified, but our understanding is there is a relationship with this child um, and that maybe has come to the reason for some of these decisions. So I asked the district to maybe take a harder look at that to see if there's um, some kind of relationship that could have affected the, the a correct decision. And I ask that if you have any other questions or concerns, if we could have a meeting to discuss, but I respectfully ask that this driver gets put back uh, by the district to Route 49. Thank you.
You, can, you contend, sir, that the, that the district determines the route and who drives the route? District. Can you demonstrate that in writing for me? The, yeah, I can put the that contract? in writing for you. The district, the district does Please schedule do. the routes and the district does decide and has the final say if a driver gets removed for any, for any reason at any time, if it warrants it, right? So we understand that if there's a reason for a driver to be removed, and it has happened, drivers have been removed before by the district. I think this is the first time that we've, since 2018, I've been here, and there's been a few drivers removed from the district at that time. But look, in the end, this driver, this situation, if you watch the video, if you see the actions, if you look at the history, it clearly states and clearly shows that there was an issue and the driver did the right thing and protected the kids on the bus because she thought there was a threat. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, might I add? Yes, Mr. Mr. Hughes. I've repeatedly said, and I'm frustrated right now, that I do not like to be blindsided with issues related to our community. I said that to the last administration, and I'm saying that now. If, this, if we had a situation where a student uh, and a bus driver was removed and a potential issue, then this committee should have known, we should have had documentation about this issue. And I'm, I'm really upset right now because this, this we should not be dealing with, right? If, if this was brought before us, then we should have had prior information, proper information, so we can properly respond to their concerns. This gentleman is asking for her to be put back on a route, which we know nothing about. I don't know anything about it. So I don't know if any other committee members know, but right now, I'm, that, this really doesn't sit well with me. He's asking us to put someone back, and we have no idea what you're talking about. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Go ahead. And, and, I, and I would just like to address that. I apologize, because I don't like to blind somebody either. Um, I tried to go with the proper steps. I started with Donna Hildreth, having conversation with her. I asked her if we could have a meeting with the acting superintendent, Mr. Thompson, um, and have a discussion on the situation that led up to this and what brought us to where we are with the decision that was made today. Um, after one conversation with Ms. Hildreth, uh, radio silent, Mr. Thompson, in all fairness, I reached out to you three times on the phone to try to get you to call me back to have a conversation. I finally sent you an email where you responded, and obviously you, you thought it was, a, it was a first student issue, but it is actually a district issue. So I tried to take the proper steps to go and make sure that people were informed, but unfortunately I didn't get that opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wishing to make public comment? Yes. actually the driver of bus 49 um, it's actually appalling that nothing has been reported um, only you. because I've been reporting the student for eight months it took eight months for her to get pulled off my bus um, she has threatened to kill me and every child on that bus including my own children and the only reason why I was pulled over for 16 minutes is because it took 16 minutes for dispatch to send somebody to my bus this child's from Crocker um, I know this situation with the child very well because my kids go to Crocker and every time I go there, there's five, six, seven teachers chasing this child around the school. Um, I, the only reason why I was pulled over for 16 minutes for Donna Hildreth to get on my bus, which she immediately got on my bus and told me to get in my seat and sit down, never had a conversation with me and sat with this child and praised her the whole ride home. Now, 
all of you guys watch the news, you see children, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, bringing guns and knives to school and killing bus drivers and teachers, and it's okay for this kid to be put back on my bus and for me to be removed. That is unacceptable. Unacceptable. I, I pulled over to keep these kids safe. Not only my own children were on that bus for 16 minutes, so the fact that I'm getting a safety, I was unsafe, when my own kids were pulled over at 100 degree weather as well, and I'm getting pulled. But I can do any other route but the one I've been doing for two years. I'm asking to be put back on my route. Um, I'm asking that she either gets investigated or something because not one person at first student has a good thing to say about her and everyone is terrified of her for whatever reason. And if I have to be the one to stand up to her, so be it because I'm not scared of her. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. So I am the spare that's been driving please, the Please roof. state your name and address, please. Mallory Beaver, 14 Prospect Street. I have been covering this route since she was removed, and I will tell you, with this child being removed from that bus, every single route has been piece of cake. I have driven the bus with that student on it. It was not at all easy. I pulled over multiple times. I've been at the bus company for 11 years. I've never witnessed anything like this child. For her to be pulled off, I agree is unacceptable. There has been many, many times where things have gotten ignored and drivers have actually been assaulted. Still nothing has been done. So in this case, I have all of her kids asking where she is, asking for her back. They like her. I've had no problems with her. Even with my nerves shot right now, just even being up here, I will back her up all day long. Thank you. Chairman? Yes, go ahead. Ask question. Yep. Uh, has this been reported to the principal? Has it been written up? All of our reports go to as, the principal. Has the, has the, has there been any action taken to uh, take this child off the bus? No, there, was, there was, there was last year um, after the, the, the 20 write-ups and the 11, um, 10 to 11 video reviews. Um, the district finally made the move to pull this particular student off off the run last year, but as the new year started, the child was put back on. So okay. removed last year, removed from transportation in its entirety, and the student was put back on the bus this year. As the driver or bus company asked to meet with the uh, the principal, the principal, the actual the person who uh, makes a decision on uh, pulling a student off the bus because they're in charge of it. Uh, I know as principal, and I've done that. I, I, in fact, I put the whole bus <laughs> shut down for a week at from Crocker several years back. Um, okay, it's it, it's it's tough because the the reports go with to Donna, and then from Donna gets reported to Donna first, and then from Donna it goes to the appropriate people, whether it's the principal it's the, the or principal, the superintendent. Because it's actually building administration really needs to know what's happening on that bus and take action. From my understanding, and, and the drivers here that are present can probably um, answer this a little bit better than me, my understanding is they're not allowed to talk. They don't, they're being told, is this correct, not to talk to the school administrators if they're having an issue. It has to be reported and then sent to Donna for, for review, and Donna decides um, 
you know, what, um, what the action, appropriate action would be at that time. I, I think, uh, Mr. Thompson, maybe we just need to look at the policy and what's taking place because maybe some things have changed since I've, because yep. the building principle is the one responsible uh, for every child in his building. And uh, they're the one that should be getting the complaint of what's happening. Uh, it, what Mr. Uh, Hughes has brought up, uh, it's not a policy decision that, you know, we're, we're getting it. Right. Uh, administration, we need to make sure the policy is firm and supports both the student and the drivers, and uh, administration needs to, to handle it. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't get here. And, 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 and like I said, I, we tried not to get it here, right? Because this is the last place that we want to come to air, obviously, what everybody wants to call dirty laundry, right? It's not dirty laundry to these guys because these guys are dealing with it on a, on a daily basis. It, you know, it, these drivers are feeling that they don't have the support that they need from the district to deal with certain situations, and they feel that the reports that are being written are being lost in the process. And, may, and maybe that is a policy adjustment or, or something to, to be looked at um, on how those issues get taken care of. But I can tell you that, the, you know, we, we don't have all our drivers here, but we have some drivers here, and, and I think they all feel that frustration that uh, what happened to, to Candace is um, a sad, I think, uh, uh, sad of events and it should have never happened. And, you know, if you look at the history and if you just view the video, um, it's a very busy video, but if you just view the video, you would, you would see what, what we're talking about, so. Whether, whether, you're, whether you're in the classroom or you're driving the bus, you need to have control uh, so you can either teach or drive your bus, and I, I agree with that. So I, I've urged the superintendent to meet with you, and we will do that. Excellent, thank you for your time, I appreciate it. Uh, yes. Uh, um, Ms. Reynolds. Um, just hearing this, obviously nothing previously. Um, who removed the driver? Um, Donna Hildred, the district transportation manager. Um, she removed the driver from driving um, any Crocker routes. Is she receiving pay? She's not, not at this present moment, no. Well, She's not being paid? So the driver's not, the driver, uh, because the driver's pregnant and because of the stress of, of what has happened, she has um, taken a leave of absence to, for her doctor um, to try to you know, calm her nerves and calm herself down because obviously we don't want anything to happen with uh, her pregnancy. But it's been a traumatic experience for the driver um, and just the way the whole thing has been taken care of has been she was uh, not tough. Placed on, she was not pay, placed on unpaid leave. She was not placed on unpaid leave. She, Okay, I just right. I won't she wasn't sure. placed on a paid leave. Yeah, she she was trying to we were trying to resolve the issues and as we we're trying to work through the issues and talk to Donna and talk to first student um, who first student I, I, and I don't want to speak for first student, but um, talking to the managers of first student, they do agree and and they even pointed out some things on the video that wet when we were looking at originally we didn't see. So um, I, I don't think they're in disagreement with me. Um, I don't want to bring first student obviously into this mix. You know, as a union, I'm fighting for her to get her job back and where it's not a first student issue this is a district issue that's why that's why we're here um, point of order my sense of justice is that she should at least be paid but I say I say she should have her route until uh, a, uh, a reasonable decision is made this doesn't sound reasonable at all it sounds very heavy loaded but it, 
it should, uh, I don't think she should be the one to suffer. Well, the, the, the hard part that we don't understand is that the, the student's been removed now. So the student has been removed off the route. And so we don't understand where the student's been removed. And the issue was why the driver isn't able to drive that route. Absolutely. And that's, that's a big concern to us. Um, we don't understand that decision. And that was part of us wanting to talk to the city and try to get a better grasp and understanding on that. Um, you know, look at, you know, we don't know how any of us would react in a situation like this, right? But when you hear a, a student um, gesturing certain things or voicing certain opinions, in a day we live in now, we can't take those things lightly. And that's exactly what this driver did. This driver thought about the whole bus, not just, you know. What further, what confuses this whole matter is, I was led to believe that it's the bus company's call on how they distribute bus drivers and whatnot. You're telling me it's the school district. So the school district routes the routes, sends need, the routes to the first student. To, I need something that demonstrates that. Sure, we can do that. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and we're gonna we're gonna meet. Okay. We're gonna meet and discuss this and get it worked out. Perfect. I but appreciate in the it. meantime, I think that she should be able to continue until something, why should she Absolutely. not continue? I agree, but that's, uh, that's the district, the city of Fitchburg that has to address that with Donna Hildreth, because Donna Hildreth is the one that removed the driver. But there is sense and common sense, and the, and, uh, the adult in the uh, situation does have to take charge as best she can. And I, and I think the issue really here is this isn't a first-time thing. This isn't like a, a one-off. There's a documentation just from the end of last year of 20 write-ups, you know, 10 to 12, you know, 10 to 11 videos that have been pulled to review, and the end result was the student was removed from the bus. So there was, there was definitely yeah, uh, a reason to do that, and then for the student to be put back on the bus now thinking that everything was going to be better, I'm not sure what that thinking was, and obviously this is where we, we are now. recommendation that, that she... Point of order, just yeah. to clarify, uh, and I know this is a serious issue, but this is, is public comment. It's not a discussion. Uh, it's, and we're yeah. discussing an item that is not on the agenda, which means right now if we have a discussion and make decisions, we're in violation of open meeting law. And so it needs to be something that needs to be met what? In, a, in a different situation, not here. Fair enough. If, if, if I, that's all. I, and I, I understand I, I that it, it, I'm not saying that it's not serious. I know what it is, but yes. based on what rules that we have to follow <coughs> as a, a committee of a, of a city, right now we cannot have a discussion on this item. And I, and I understand <coughs> where you're coming from. I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to hear our concerns and our complaints, and I look forward to sitting down and having a meeting Superintendent with Superintendent would like to uh, yeah, make so a statement. Thank you, Mr. Mark. So, Two things, I did reach out to our attorney, and our attorney did advise us that because first student does hire and fire bus drivers, that you should be talking to the uh, regional manager at first student. Yep. I also spoke to the regional manager at first student, and he told me the same thing. So, um, and I have, so that's not. And I have not spoken with him since last week. Yep. So I don't know if something has changed between last week and now, um, but you have my word that I will follow up with the regional manager to speak with him and our attorney uh, to investigate this again. Yeah, I appreciate it because, you know, I, I, as, as a representative for them, I also have to look at our options, right? And, and I, I did follow protocol. So first student is the first person I go to. Dawn is with the district. The revenue contract states that the, the district has the right to remove a driver if they feel there's a need to, right? So Donna acted under that right 
to remove that driver. So under my contract with First Student and obviously being the city and uh, having a city committee and, and, and obviously superintendent and, and an order of um, you know, policy to go through, um, I tried to follow that that policy um, and, and have a meeting and have a discussion to say, that, you know, Donna removed this for this reason, um, you know, what can we do about it, why was it done, but we never got that opportunity, so that's why we're here now. So, so I'm based to, off of the, the revenue contract, which gives the opportunity so, yeah. for the Fitchburg to do that. Thank you, Mr. Marks. I think uh, the con my concern is speaking with the, the company, I was led to the um, understanding that this was a mutual decision, so I can go back and I can review that with them. Oh, yeah, I wasn't told that. If that's the case, then I'll have to have a conversation again with yep. first student as well. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else wishing to make public comment? Mr. Mayor? Yes. Uh, I, I want to make a, a motion. Would this be the correct time to uh, make a motion? Well, no, this, this was not. not on the agenda. I, I gave some leeway to let, let us discuss this. Gathering uh, information. But Mr. Walsh is correct. Public comment is not a time to go back and forth with no, pros I, and cons. I, I'm sorry. I there is no vote on I mis, anything. I misled you. I mean, no, I didn't intend okay. to mislead you, but it was not about this issue. It was just a, a motion, which I understand I could make. A, a motion? To be agenda, eh? Yeah, no, I, I understood that, uh, that I still can make a motion. But it's make we're a in public comment right now. Public comment this is, is why I asked. That I, rec yeah. I asked. It's, yeah. uh, it refers to the. It's public. not the appropriate no. place Wait, for. After this is over, perhaps. Well, we can discuss it. Okay. Thank you. Are you ready for me? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Hi, my name is Louis Savadi. I live at 177 River Street in Fitchburg. Um, going back to Mr. Hughes. Um, I'm wondering why transportation itself, as a body of the, that we provide transportation to the you know, students of Fitchburg, that why we don't have a seat on one of these committees where we could bring our agendas up, that we know what's going on, so no one is blindsided and know exactly what's going on. So just thought out there that I believe we should have a say on this committee. You should have a what? A say, like a representative of, from, from the transportation of the city of Fitchburg. This we, is an elected body. So, okay. So I guess yeah. I could just try to voice that to be part of a elective body. concept. So, okay. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Um, my name is Gina Sproul, uh, 43 Willow Street in Fitchburg. Um, I'm just here to speak about the cutoff for kindergarten. So it has nothing to do with them and the bus situation, but I just came to speak about the cutoff um, being August 18th, I think it is, or August 2nd first. or 1st, sorry. Um, my son's birthday is August 18th, um, so he will have to repeat preschool next year, um, regardless if he's eligible or not to go forward to kindergarten. Uh, we've had other friends, kids affected by the date being August 1st instead of September 1st. Um, so I feel as though it's hindering other students, not just my son, that if the, like, if the law or whatever it's called, sorry, isn't changed back to September, like kids like my son who will be eligible and ready to go to kindergarten will have to repeat preschool regardless of recommendations from school, um, school officials and teachers and so forth. And then I just 
personally don't think that's fair to keep back a child that's ready to learn and keep going when it's just a cutoff. Um, I'm not sure why it was changed, um, but I do, I, I will personally be affected, my son will, and I know other people that in the previous years have been affected by it because the policy for whatever reason was changed to August 1st. Who have you spoken to uh, up to today? Um, I've spoken to Superintendent Thompson. Um, I've talked to some, when my son was at Crocker, I had spoken with a few people there as well as McKay and South Street. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, before, um, back in 2019, it looks like the policy subcommittee made a change to the policy, pushing the date um, for school entrance back to August 1st. Last uh, September 20th, we met as a policy subcommittee, and we have revamped the policy so it does reflect the September uh, 1st date. So we are actually talking about that tonight, and it will be um, on the agenda to make it uh, September on or before on before on or before September 1st. Perfect. Awesome. So back to how it used to be. Awesome. Thank you for um, your time, guys. Yep. Appreciate Thank you. It. Thanks. Anyone else wishing to make public comment? Seeing none, moving on. Superintendent's report. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, tonight, this evening, I would like to welcome uh, Dr. Becky McFall to the podium. Uh, Becky McFall is um, my new uh, induction superintendent's program coach. She is supporting me this year as a first-year superintendent. Um, as a coach uh, for my program, she'll be sharing a little bit of information tonight um, about the program and her responsibilities as a coach. So, Dr. McFall. Thank you. Good evening. It's, uh, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come and introduce myself and explain what the new superintendent induction program is. And first and foremost, I'd like to express my thanks to the committee for supporting John in being a part of the school and new superintendent induction program. There are about 30 new superintendents across the state, and the new superintendent induction program, which we call NSIP, um, is offered to every new superintendent. And each superintendent is then matched with a retired superintendent <coughs> who serves as their coach, serves as their coach for three years. Uh, the first year of the program is the most intensive, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. This is the 14th cohort of the program. I myself went the, through the program and I think I was in the third or fourth cohort and found it extremely valuable. Um, a little bit about myself. I've worked in education for over 40 years at all different levels, both in California and in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts, I worked in the Wellesley Public Schools for 12 years and I retired this past July after 11 years as the superintendent of the Lincoln Public Schools, which includes the schools on Hanscom Air Force Base. I've worked in both suburban and urban school districts. Um, I've been a paraprofessional. I started at the age of 19 as a paraprofessional and worked my way up through various positions in districts, uh, finally retiring as a superintendent. So um, as a coach in the NSIP program, my role is not to be evaluative. So I am not here to determine how well Mr. Thompson is doing as a superintendent. My role is to coach him. And just like an athletic coach 
you're really out there kind of on the field with them, observing what they do, attending meetings, uh, meeting one-to-one -one with them, and giving feedback and, and recommendations and helping them to learn some of the skills of being a superintendent. It's not an easy job, we all know that. You're in the public light all the time. There are always difficult decisions to be made. And um, so, you know, having somebody who is not a part of their admin team or their school committee be a sounding board for them to work with and someone who has experience to share about how to work through uh, the organization of leading a district as well as working through issues that arise, I think is invaluable. So again, the NSIP program is a three-year program. And in the first year, we meet monthly as a whole group of, of superintendents and coaches across the state for a full day, typically. And then in between each of those monthly sessions, I meet with John for six hours every month, either one-to-one -one or going to visit schools and observing classrooms, or I may attend a school committee meeting or an admin team meeting so that I can observe and then talk to John about what I saw, what he did well, what I think he, could, he, he needs to work on. In our uh, program, there is a curriculum, and that, that in cu curriculum includes developing an entry plan and a report of findings that will be used to develop a multi-year district strategy. And so all of our new superintendents are working on that right now. We work with them on identifying the district and leadership core values. They work with their team around principal and superintendent their own evaluation process. Um, and in, uh, there are some goals of the NSIP program that come from the Department of Education. They highly recommend that in the first year, a superintendent uses very specific goals that the Department of Education has provided for them. And so the NSIP program also wants to make sure that the school committee understands that, that uh, your superintendent will present their goals to you, and they will include the recommended goals that are put forth by the Department of Education. And those include, again, that effective entry and directive se direction setting, maintaining momentum during a transition period, um, and going through this, the new superintendent induction program. Uh, again, one of the things we talk to superintendents about, and so I, I always want to say this directly to the school committee, you know, we know that when there's a transition from one superintendent to another, there's a, a, a huge need and desire to keep things moving forward. But we also want to make sure that everybody um, thinks about that, the saying of you need to go slow to go fast. And one of the most important things, I would say two of the most important things that a superintendent does are they need to learn about their district. Now, Mr. Thompson is not new to the district, but he is new to this role. And it's a very different role. And so he has a lot to learn. And so his entry process is really important in terms of looking through a new lens and understanding what the needs of the district are in order to then make decisions with the leadership team and with the school committee about what the right strategic priorities are moving forward. The second most important thing, and I, it's hard to say one is first and one is second, 
but is building relationships. And so we want to make sure that as the superintendent, Mr. Thompson has the opportunity to now build new relationships. They may be with some of the same people he worked with before, but because the roles have changed, he has to develop new relationships, as well as with all of the new folks who have been hired in the district, new families, new students. And so I encourage all of you to embrace that saying of go slow to go fast. It really is about, um, you know, another saying that says, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. You could put forward a ton of strategic priorities, but if you don't have the right culture in place, built the relationships, have a strong culture of collaboration and working together, strategy's never gonna be accomplished. And so that's what we work with in this program is really helping Mr. Thompson build his leadership skills, understand his district, and develop uh, the ability to then move strategy forward very well and hopefully a little bit faster as a result. So again, I wanna thank you for this time to explain the program, what my role is, how we work together, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. What's the duration of this uh, training, if you will? Yeah, so it's a three-year. I'm calling it the right term, training. Yeah, it's a, it, a program, yeah. Okay. It's a um, three-year program for a superintendent, but the first year is really, again, the most intensive one-to-one -one time. In the next year, there's, there's less of that time, and in the third year, it's more about what we call a consultancy, where there are groups of superintendents with a, a retired co coach facilitator where they just get, have an opportunity to come together a few times a year to talk about what's happening in their district and get some support from their colleagues. And who pays you? Um, so the Department of Education and the Bar Foundation, they're grant funded. Okay. The districts through the school committee, I think it's about, I might have the wrong amount, I think they pay $3,500. For the, for the superintendent to participate, and the rest is paid from the Department of Education and the Bar Foundation. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions? Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Yes, Ms. Reynolds. <laughs> what I intended to say, I would like to say, and it, it's a subsequent to the, this is a perfect lead-in, I want to recommend that we uh, re retain Mr. Thompson as full-time superintendent Well, <laughs> that's surprising. <laughs> well, I think he has the qualifications. Put, are you putting that in the form of a motion, Ms. Wright? Yes. You yes. Is there a second? I'll second that motion. Second the motion. All in favor? Can we have discussion first? What? Please. So we're not By gonna, all means. So we're not going to do any kind of search? Search at all. I mean, I... I I'm not, John, you, you're doing a great job, and I don't know if this is something that we can do legally. Can we just appoint somebody internally to be superintendent, or do we not do a search at all um, down the road? I understand that we can do it. It's perfectly uh, fine if we have a, a eligible and a capable person it, uh, that we can do that. And that's my motion that we do that. Well, would you feel more comfortable if we research this, possibly have a conversation with 
our attorney. I, 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 don't, know if we, I don't know if we need to do that. You don't think so? Um, well, I think there's it's, some it's, it's the school, reluctance. It, it's the school yeah. committee's job. One of its few jobs that we really have is to hire a superintendent. Um, do, do we hire or do we make recommendations to the, to the mayor? And the recommendation, it, it's like the chairman cannot appoint him. It can come from the chairman or any member, such as uh, Mrs. Reynolds, can make a recommendation mm. to appoint uh, uh, Mr. Thompson or anybody as a superintendent. Then it's uh, a second and then discussion and uh, a vote. Mr. Walsh. My question is, we have a, a motion and a second. But when this agenda was set forth, right. this motion yeah. in second was not, was on, not the on, agenda, on the agenda, which Correct. means we're voting on something that was not published and posted on the agenda for right. 48 hours but in I advance. Could, could, my recommendation would be to Mrs. Reynolds to uh, put it on the agenda. Upcoming agenda, the next the agenda. Meeting. Yes. And, uh, that would, that would give, yeah. that would give two weeks. Yep. yep. Okay. 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 All right. We, How's that? Do we put that to a vote? No. No. You, you don't. don't, you don't no. No. It would just, be up to you yeah. to just put it on the Mr. agenda. Mr. Thompson's going to make note of that and have that part of the agenda in two weeks. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Interesting, Ms. Ms. Reynolds. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Thank you, Mrs. Reynolds. <laughs> a little shocked. Thank you. <laughs> really? <sighs> All right. So, moving on. This evening we have uh, some guests with us. Uh, we have Assistant Principal Sean Walker. Uh, we have Sarah Kanabuchi. And also we have Michelle Scott here to talk a little bit about our eighth graders um, in the annual eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C. Good evening. Thank you for having us here tonight. Um, we're coming tonight to get approval to begin planning our eighth grade field trip to Washington, D.C. Um, doing things, well, a couple things are a little bit different. We've done for the past 20 or so years, Jen Fisher has been standing up here asking permission. And um, moving forward, she is stepping back a little bit from the trip, so I'm going to fill in in her absence. Um, we are looking to run the trip from June 4th to June 7th. Um, changing that up a little bit. Traditionally, we had left on a Sunday and returned on a Wednesday. We're looking to go from Tuesday to Friday this year. Um, doing that for to make life a little bit easier for our chaperones and to make sure that that trip is a little bit more fulfilling for students. So we're looking to try that. Our agenda this year is, or excuse me, our um, schedule this year is fairly similar to what we've done in the past. We're looking to um, do a lot of touring of various museums along with Arlington National Cemetery, a lot of the monuments. Um, the, the students just left, but the African American History Museum will be on our agenda this year. Um, that one's a personal favorite of mine. And um, we are looking to improve our attendance from last year. We had just restarted the trip from, la from the COVID pandemic, and we had about 150 students last year, so we're looking to bring that number up a bit this year. Um, are there any questions we can answer about that trip at this what time? What do you usually get? You've got 150 now? It's last year Sign we had 100. And, so in um, June when we went, we had about 150 students. Yeah. That was a bit down. Um, we've had 
almost 250 students some years. So that was probably, last year was on the lower side and 250 students was way on the high side. So it's usually somewhere in there. 200 is, in my experience, is about a normal amount. But so that fluctuates the, with the economy. And Is the inflationary bug hit? Uh, was it <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, that's, that's so I think last year there was that. And I think coming off of the pandemic, um, without a history of doing the trip year after year and restarting it after two years, I think we probably lost a little bit of momentum there. So people hadn't seen their classmates go the year before. And so. Do you keep any data that, that you know students that would go but cannot afford it? We, it's really hard to say because we do, we do a lot of work to find students that want to go and financially may not be able to go and try to find ways to support them to do that. Um, it is, I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to find this tough, people tough that discussion. want to that's go. That's why I raise it. Yeah. Every year I raise it because yeah. that's what I think about. Who, yeah. What I, kids I, are staying home because they can't afford 900 bucks? And that's a, that's a, it is a lot of money. Yeah. That's a chunk of money. Yes, yeah. definitely is. Can, and yeah, can I jump in yes, for a second? So to Jeremy. what Mr. Walker is describing, um, the resource subcommittee last year did um, appropriate a certain amount of funds to keep the, the cost of that trip last year about six hundred dollars. Yep. So the average is about a thousand to eleven hundred for the eighth grade trip is what we found. Yeah, from other communities. So. So it did allow for quite a bit of a cost differential. We didn't do that this year. Well, I think it's coming up it's on the agenda. Up. Oh, it is. Tomorrow. Tomorrow yeah. it's on resources. We're out of order. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of your meetings got canceled. Ahead of the and game there, so, but okay. we, we, we are trying to figure out ways to do that because we yeah. know what a powerful experience it can be for kids. And I think to Mr. Walker's point, too, when students have been identified as unable to um, afford that amount, the, the, there have been efforts to provide funds for those students. If you'd, if you'd like to hear some more information about some of the fundraising efforts that Mrs. Carnabucci and Mrs. Scott are planning, um, they'd be thrilled to speak about that too. <laughs> Did you want to hear more about the fundraising? Or? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we have our first fundraiser already set to go so that we can hand out packets on the first parent meeting on October 12th selling cookie dough. We have Penny War fundraisers set up to go in November, so we try to stagger them so they're not all going at once. Um, last year, we ran a semi-formal dance for the eighth graders, uh, which helped raise money for the whole school. So we do a combination of individual fundraisers where students can raise towards their own trip, and then we also do school-wide fundraisers to help towards the total cost that we split evenly between students. We also had students who fundraised even though they paid for the whole trip and they donated that to other students as well. Um, so right now we already have, I think, what, four that are already set and then we also have more that we're working on getting done as well. Yeah, so to continue on with Ms. Carnabucci was saying, last year was our first year involved in the trip, and so we were we definitely have a lot more planned for this year. Even though it was our first year being involved and the first year after COVID, we did have several students that did pay for a bulk of their um, trip using fundraising, um, especially with the school committee's assistance with decreasing the cost by paying for the buses. So we do appreciate that. Um, we did bring, unless you had other questions about fundraising, we did bring a picture from last year that we wanted to present the school committee way. I don't know. Nice. Oh, for you. We wanted to just say thank you because our students were really appreciative and they had a really great trip. So these were all our students that went last year with us. 
from both schools. I know you can't see this, but pretty good shot. Thank you. You should hold it up in front of the podium because I think it'll, if you're speaking, it'll be on FATV. Oh. Yeah. So if you want to hold that for a second and. Oh. Walker, come on and get this, will you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. um, I have a suggestion. Yes. Would some of that cookie dough be chocolate chip cookie dough? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Email us and let you put orders in. Oh, yeah. Wow, it's right genius. online. We can send you all the link. There was a pumpkin roll last year that looked really good, a frozen mm -hmm. pumpkin roll. <laughs> Save me some. I'll buy some. Mr. Walker, do you have a, a place where people can um, send donations also? No. If they would like to donate? We will, we will shortly. Would you get something out? Uh, and we're meeting tomorrow night, and that's on the agenda. Yeah. And I mean, we provide we provide funds for SAT scores, uh, students taking SAT scores, and other other things. And I have always been uh, an advocate for providing funds for particularly field trips and school trips. And as you know, I started that trip with Mr. Masciarelli and uh, Mr. DC 38 years ago. It was only a couple of hundred bucks back then, you know? <laughs> so, I honestly don't want to see any kid not go because they can't uh, afford it. I think, All uh, right? speaking for everybody involved with the schools, we, we share that. Good. Um, Good. And work Thank really you. hard to find and identify people that need some assistance right. to go and help them to get there. Yeah. And, and I think over the last few years, we've made sure everyone can go. Good. And we make sure to tell them, too, that not to let money be the reason they don't go and to come and speak with us privately if they need to or parents can contact us. Right. So we've already had some Good. students yeah. come and talk to us. So. Okay. Mr. Walsh. Yes. Can you send a list, the dates, and the type of fundraising event to, to Mr. Roach so that we could have it at our resource committee meeting tomorrow and share it with the remainder of the school committee? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. I know that um, from your application for it that you are providing for uh, people to be certified to take care of uh, students on the trip, but have you uh, looked to see if you could get a nurse to go? I know you haven't been able to in recent years, but contractually they can, they can go. Uh, so if you would still try and uh, see if a nurse would, would go. It's always a, you know, nurses are in short supply, so it's always a tough sell. But I know. We, that's one of, of the things I mean, that with our well, negotiations too, with so the nurses that we provided funds for nurses yeah. to go and okay. to pay them. And it's just a, I'd be a, thrilled it makes an unwillingness of somebody, that a nurse that wanted to go. So <coughs> just give it a try still, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I Thank love the picture. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Oh. Mr. Mayor, yeah, yes, nice. this is on the agenda for tonight. Could we take that out of order? Sure. You want to do it now? Yes, <laughs> for the uh, field trip for the Washington. Can you put that in the form of a motion, please? Y yes. Uh, Which one is that? 23-298. Uh, I'll make a motion that we take 23-298 uh, out of order in... Uh, I'm going to vote on that now. I'll second that. Approve the superintendent's recommendation of Fitchburg Public Schools eighth grade middle school students to plan a trip to Washington, D.C. in June 2024. Make a motion we take that out of order. Motion made. Second. And seconded to take out of order. Voting on it at this time. All in favor? Aye. Aye. 
All opposed? It is unanimous. Thank you. I'll make a motion that we approve <coughs> 23298. Second. Motion made and seconded to approve 23-298. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? It is unanimous. Thank you. That fundraising. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All right, just taking, um, I'd like to take the MCAS presentation out of order, if that's okay, and put it to the end of the superintendent's report. Um, in your packet this evening, um, I put my three goals for the year uh, for you to review. I won't go over all the goals, um, the key actions, and the benchmarks, but I will go over each goal with you, if that's okay, for this evening. Uh, so uh, goal number one is effective entry in direction setting. So by late spring, the district will have broad recognition by key stakeholder groups about the district's most critical areas and will have a widely understood process underway to identify the strategies and goals that will address those needs most effectively and the measures that will be used to assess progress. So that is goal number one, and that information, the key actions and benchmarks are around my entry plan process that I went over with you um, at a previous uh, school committee meeting. So that's goal number one. Goal number two is maintaining momentum during the transition. To keep the district moving forward during the years in transition and leadership by working with principals and other district leaders to ensure that meaningful progress is made on critical district and school goals. So with that, uh, key actions and benchmarks in summary talks a little bit about making sure that we are completing evaluations, the process is happening um, throughout the school year. And then last but not least, goal number three, professional practice goal is the new superintendent's induction program. Develop skills and strategy development, data analysis, and instructional leadership by actively engaging in the first year of the new superintendent's induction program. And <laughs> underneath there, you'll have the key actions and benchmarks uh, for this year. I listed all the uh, remote and full session days that I will be um, participating in the new superintendent's induction program. Any questions on questions. my goals? Mm -hmm. So it looks good, Jonathan, thank you. All right, those are for you. If you have any questions, let me know. All right. And then before we get into the MCAS report, just a quick reminder that from September 15th to October 15th is National Heritage, uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. And we, uh, Fitchburg Public Schools, in conjunction with the city of Fitchburg, in addition with New View Communities, will be hosting a uh, Latino heritage event on uh, Saturday, October 14th, uh, 2023, from 2 to 5 p.m. at Low Park, 174 Elm Street. Uh, the rain location for that date, we gotta make sure we talk about that because we've had so much rain this year, uh, will be at Senior Center Hall, so hopefully it will be nice so we can get outside. But during that event, we'll have live music, food trucks, free snacks, raffles, and entertainment, and other resources for the community. Thank you. Questions, concerns, comments? Okay. Right. Seeing none, moving on. One second. Presentation. Yes, this is the, right. the presentation that we need to do now. Tom, did you want to see this photo? I'm all set. You're all set? You're all set.
great. So this evening, oops, <coughs> you see that? So this evening, um, we'll be presenting to you the district level accountability data that was released last month from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. So this, uh, this evening, I'll be sharing with you the high level data as a district uh, to show everyone how uh, Fitchburg did uh, as a district on our um, state assessments. In front of you, I did um, print out these slides so you can reference these so you're not squinting up at the screen. So hopefully you'll be able to see that. Um, so just a few things uh, for tonight's agenda. Uh, we'll be looking at district level accountability data for K to eight schools. That's our elementary and middle schools in the district and also our high school. So this evening we'll be looking at our student achievement data, which will highlight our ELA, our math and our science data. Then we'll be talking a little bit about our student growth data for ELA and mathematics. We'll be looking at our progress toward attaining English language proficiency. That's uh, involving our students who are uh, English language learners and their um, results on the state's access exam. And then we'll be diving into chronic absenteeism. Again, I wanna make sure it's clear that this evening, this is a district, this is the district data. Coming up on October 16th, we'll be having Fitchburg High, Goodrich Memorial and Longshow coming to present their specific school data in addition to their yearly school improvement plans. They'll be giving the updates. And then on November 6th, we'll have our elementary schools, um, I'm sorry, there's a typo up here, Crocker McKay and Rheingold, and then South Street Early Learning Center, it should say that instead of Goodrich, uh, will be coming uh, to present uh, their MCAS data and their school improvement plans. So we'll be talking a little bit at a high level this evening, um, and then when the school principals come with their administration on October 16th and November 6th, they'll get into more detailed information, okay? Any questions on that before I move forward? Can we just take a moment to pause and clarify the achievement versus growth, since that is what we're going to be looking at uh, ahead of our session? Absolutely. Yeah, so when tonight, this evening, when you look at uh, the two uh, first data points, our achievement data, our achievement data is based on the targets that are set forth by the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. So you'll be looking at our progress towards meeting those targets set out by the state. And then our growth is um, about how our students are doing, how our students are growing in ELA and mathematics. Any questions? So just a quick review. Um, we all know that we are bouncing back from COVID. And back in 2020, uh, when COVID first happened, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education put a stop to um, their formal accountability system. So this school year, uh, we will be actually getting back to the accountability system that um, we were using back in 2019. So uh, this year, um, our districts, I'm sorry, our schools and our district has uh, accountability percentiles that are based on 22 and 2023 data. And then this year for the first time, we actually have targets set out for all our subgroups. So this is going back to the previous system in 2019. 
Any questions? All right. So just a quick clarifier, when we talk about our data, we're talking about um, scale of point assignments. So the, dis the Department of Elementary, uh, Elementary and Secondary Education uses a four-point system, um, depending on how um, you are doing and the progress students are making towards <coughs> targets and, and growth. So um, if you look at the first category, we'll start off with zero. Um, zero points means that a school or, um, declined or a district declined. They receive uh, percentage points of zero percent. If there's been no change, you receive one point and a target percentage of 25 points. If you improved but you were below the target that the state set out for you, you receive two points, which is 50% uh, of the target. If you met target, you receive three points, and that's 75%. And then if you exceeded the target that the state set out for you, that's four points, and that's 100%. Okay? So that's the percentage points that the state uses um, when assigning points based on targets. Okay? Any questions on that? And you'll see that in a second tonight as we dive into the data. Linda. Great, so this slide in particular is talking about uh, different paths that they are setting targets. Uh, so different <coughs> schools receive different targets depending on the path that they're on and in um, conjunction also different content areas may also receive a different pathway depending on where the targets are at. Um, so you will see in some of the data language that says recovery path. That means that that is a less rigorous target that they have implemented uh, after 2019 with an awareness that there are schools who needed a less rigorous target after COVID in order to be able to move forward uh, and kind of you know set targets that were uh, achievable. And so when you see a school that is slated to having path forward or a content area, that means that their targets are now set back to the original targets that we originally had prior to 2019. So just to clarify, you will see data that has both of those targets on there. Okay, and this particular uh, slide really talks about how schools are categorized. One of the really great things about the way that data has, is now being presented and the way that the new reporting system um, classifies schools is under classification of need of support, right? So in this way, when we are classifying schools, we are explicitly talking about the type of support that they are going to be receiving. So now the state actually um, assigns a categorization so that you are aware of the type of support that they're going to be receiving from the state and from the district, right? So um, you see the classifications on here from meeting or exceeding targets, substantial progress, moderate progress, limited or no progress towards uh, target. If you are in that kind of 
uh, area where you're receiving, where you're limited or no progress, you will then receive one of the two following categorizations, either a focused target support, which means that the school needs to really, or the district really needs to leverage supports for that school, or a broad comprehensive support, which is a collaboration of district and state really supporting um, those schools. And sorry, I should say the focus targeted support group also receives assistance and support from our state as well. So this year for a school district, um, I'm happy to announce that as a school district, we are not requiring any assistance or intervention uh, at the state, uh, at the district level. We do have some schools that are still requiring assistance that I'll talk about later on. But as a district, we are not requiring that state level of assistance. We did make substantial progress towards our targets at 51%. Okay? Great. Okay. okay, now we're going to dive into our ELA data, and uh, Glenda will take us through our English language arts data. Great, so I'm going to be discussing each of these data and I wanna share with you that uh, for the slides, the way that they're being presented is we'll see slides that are specifically non-high school grade level. So those are grades three through eight and then we'll see some slides that are very specific to high school grade levels. So primarily those are grades nine and 10 uh, and potentially uh, you know, 11th grade if they need to retest as well. All right, so right now what we are seeing in this particular presentation is that um, you'll see what I had talked about uh, as far as recovery path. So overall in our district, our ELA is on a recovery path, right? Which means that the target is set so that we can be able to recover from uh, the time of COVID. I do want to share that one of the things that you'll see is that um, our lowest performing subgroup did improve, but you'll see that a lot of our subgroups did decline. I do want to acknowledge that, you know, one thing that we, uh, John and I really feel strongly about is really owning our data and acknowledging that this is an area of growth for us, right? So we're not gonna shy away from the fact that this is data that we really want to focus on and, you know, uh, think about. That being said, there is a, a presentation that I'm gonna share with you that the state has uh, shared with us about different trends that can happen as a result of implementation. We are uh, a district that has been implementing new <coughs> curricula specifically in ELA, and I think that that is part of a narrative. It's not all of it, but it is definitely something that we should uh, be aware of. And so, um, you know, I think it's important for us to be aware that this is an area that we are certainly focused on achievement and uh, our professional development within our, our district. Um, so on the next slide, I think what is really important is that though our achievement, right, our meeting the target um, is an area that showed decline, Overall, what you'll see is that we actually had uh, typical 
uh, high growth in most areas, right? So you'll notice that in um, many of our subgroups, we have typical high growth. We do want to acknowledge, right, that there are some areas, right, our lowest performing subgroup we need to really take a look at and our students with disabilities and our Hispanic Latino students as well, right? Uh, again, these are areas that we're really uh, focused on in our district and making sure that we are supporting, uh, but really happy to see that even though our achievement data uh, really didn't show what we were hoping to see, that we are actually still making growth. Okay, so this is for our high school data. Okay, we only have one high school in our district. So typically when we see the data, some of this data will look familiar again when Dr. Braga does come to speak about the high school. Uh, the reason that this is shared out as a district is because sometimes there are districts that have multiple high schools and then all the data is compiled together. We are not a district that has multiple high schools that are presented in this particular data uh, set. So, so it's important for us to be aware of why this is being presented in this way. Uh, again, we want to you know, highlight that um, we are aware <laughs> that we're in the recovery path for achievement in the high school as well. There is a decline similar to the last uh, achievement data. One thing that I do want to point out is none of the data was um, into the double digits. So all of the decline are still within, uh, you know, 10 point range. Again, not something that we aspire to, but definitely something to acknowledge that we didn't drop significantly. Um, and there is data that I want to share again that responds to this. Moving on to our growth. Um, so in our growth, again, there is overall growth. And again, there is a narrative that is coming up and you know something that John and I and many members of our curriculum team have been discussing. But there is something that we are noticing that is a trend, which is our students of high needs and our um, Hispanic and Latino students are making growth and our L and former L, they're making growth, but somewhat at a lower and slower pace than other uh, students. So that is something that we really have to uh, pay attention to and also act upon. Okay, so this is a slide that I wanted to share with you just so we have a little bit of context. I think one of the things that's really important is that, you know, uh, Desi has really been uh, lifting up the idea that we can't just have quantitative data that is only showing numbers, right? There is definitely qualitative data that needs to marry and really we have to know the narrative that goes along with it. So I wanted to make sure that you all had this particular graphic because it is really important and to share that we are under, you know, our first year of high quality implementation with uh, uh, DESE support in elementary, and we're launching year one at the high school level, right? So that being said, this particular graph shows that there is a data dip that can happen when you're implementing new curriculum because there are staff members that are learning that curriculum and professional development is part of the process to really adjust and readjust to the shift in how standards are presented in curriculum. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure we highlighted that. 
Could you just, the HQIM, what is it? Oh, thank you I, no. so much. What's that? It stands for High Quality Instructional Material. Okay, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Any questions before we move on from ELA into mathematics? All right, so uh, for mathematics, as you can see, um, overall for our students, uh, we met our targets set out by the state, so we received three points. Um, a couple uh, highlights that I would like to lift up for K-8 to is that for our lowest performing students, we exceeded targets um, with an increase of 6.5 uh, percentage points, which is uh, great to see. And then in addition to that, our EL and our former EL students also exceeded targets. Uh, one of the um, things that I like to highlight here is um, we had a lot of intervention that we implemented um, in mathematics this past year. Uh, for the first time ever, we had math interventionists happening in our, all our K-8 schools that actually uh, supported student, students. Uh, so it's actually nice to see that uh, some of the um, funds that we used in uh, gaining positions like the SOA funds um, and hiring more staff to support our students, it looked like uh, that is paying off here. So we're very happy to see that. And can I just highlight one more thing that please note that, um, especially in reference to what you said, students with disability in this have actually been placed on a path forward. So they are actually working on targets that are set back to 2019. So I think that's an important piece to highlight. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to show you the growth, but for some reason, the slide is missing. I don't know where it went. It's not coming up. That's next. So for our mathematics, for our non-high school, so again, this is our K-8. to Overall, we had um, typical growth for all students. Um, again, we received three points for that. Um, in all the other areas, we were almost there to uh, highlight high typical growth. The other areas, um, you can see we received uh, a low um, for our typical growth. But again, uh, the state looks at anything uh, between 40 and 60 as uh, typical growth, whether it's on the low end or high end. Um, so that's our overall uh, performance for mathematics, uh, K to 8 for growth. And then our mathematics at the, uh, at the high school level. So um, at the high school level, you can see that we did have um, a decline in our areas. Again, you can see that some of our areas, they were a path forward from 2019, which is really great to see. Um, we did have the, the, the biggest dip based on our, our data is our EL and our former EL students. Um, uh, but one of the big pieces that we like to really showcase is our African-American students. Uh, they improved but below target. And then overall for our growth, um, our growth at the high school level was at the, at the low level this past year. So you can see that our uh, growth percentiles um, hovered anywhere uh, between 28.3 uh, as the lowest to 42.8 as the highest. So as you can see here, uh, we had low growth in mathematics um, in almost all our subgroups last year at the high school level. 
I know one of the things that I already, um, that we all know the challenges that we dealt with last year at the high school level. This year we're already seeing a lot of improvement around our systems and our structures. Um, and really a great uh, focus on instruction happening. Uh, one of the big pieces we know that leadership is key in communication and those things are now happening at the high school level. So uh, we are very confident that our uh, scores will bounce back next year at the high school level. Any questions on our math data? Science. Okay. I'm going to share about the science data. I'm gonna start with non-high school, and for those of you that aren't aware, science is assessed in grade five and grade eight in the non-high school grade levels. Uh, you know, I'd like to share that this data is really pretty exceptional. We have uh, achievement data that shows uh, both recovery path and path forward of exceeding targets. Uh, one of the things that I think is important for us to be aware of is that when we're in recovery path and we're exceeding targets, we need to recognize that most likely this will shift into path forward uh, moving forward next year. So that's really you know exciting that we'll be able to get back into the 2019. Uh, targets in this area. So that's really important. Uh, we've both exceeded and met targets all across the board here for achievement. And now I want to talk about the high school data. Uh, and uh, again, we are in the recovery path for this. Uh, and again, we see some decline. I do want to, you know, uh, address the fact that again, uh, you know, John just spoke about the fact that there are supports and we're leveraging those supports in a really strategic way at the high school. Uh, one of the ways that we are doing that, first of all, this past summer, there was summer <coughs> curriculum work that really focused on priority standards for science. Uh, in addition, uh, really thinking about the leadership and how uh, Dr. Braga uh, and the leadership team there really uh, leverage their skills to be able to address the needs of the school. So this year, Dr. Reintoul, who um, it has experience leading the science, uh, science department in previous roles uh, and was a dean of curriculum and instruction for science in Lawrence Public Schools, is now uh, overseeing and supporting the department at the high school for uh, science. So. Again, I really appreciate how that support is being leveraged. And also the high school has a science instructional uh, coach, Shelly Romero, that we also you know, want to make sure that we acknowledge. Uh, you know, and again, this is an area of growth and focus for us, uh, but there are some other resources that we're leveraging. For instance, this year, the curriculum department has leveraged an MCAS bio support program in order to make sure to strengthen that, uh, you know, area. And so the other thing that I think is really important to be aware of is uh, we, the state doesn't actually have an assigned high quality curriculum yet for science. However, they have made a recommendation that Open Syed is, you know, moving toward that um, 
space for high quality resource. And so the thing that I really want to make sure that everybody here knows is that we're in year three for biology uh, implementation. However, they've been rolling out unit by unit and then each year they come out with revisions to that unit. So again, it's not a full curriculum rollout, right? It's a slow implementation. And I think it's really important for us to acknowledge that that implementation um, is taking time, and so uh, we are taking the time to professionally develop our teachers with that implementation. Uh, so another thing to just be aware of is that DESI is going to be sending guidance to address any places where Open Syed might not address particular uh, standards within our own state. So that's going to be coming out later on this year. And then the other thing that I think is really positive is that the middle school Open Syed curriculum has actually been fully rolled out. And so what's really exciting is we're seeing a lot of see our data for uh, middle school, we're seeing a lot of traction and a lot of movement working uh, forward with the Open Syed curriculum. As a result, I think it's really important for us to understand and know that our rising students are gonna have that foundation built when they move into uh, high school. So really exciting for uh, you know the impact that this is gonna make in future years at the high school. Now I wanna, Kind of lift that up again. I think that's really um, something that we need to highlight because in um, our, our middle schools, we've been doing this curriculum as um, one of the first adopters um, for the Open Syed. And as you can see, um, I, I think that shows that we are making improvements, um, which is great to see. So we're looking forward uh, to that moving up to the high school and seeing the gains happening there. Just have a comment on this. Uh, I recall the young, the young woman, many of you know her name, I, I don't know her name, that uh, was such a, had attained such heights in science. And has she stood, has she been effective or has she kept, kept touch with uh, uh, our schools? Do you recall the, the person that I'm speaking of? You seem to know well. Is that Sarah Sweeney? Sweeney? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah yep. she has. She has? Yes. 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 I just wondered if a personal touch like that from a local person would, uh, what kind of a rollout effect would she have, you know? Absolutely. Inspiring them. Even brought in Karen St. Germain from the class of 83, uh, who's heading up, uh, uh, what, she was NASA. Oh, yes, yes. No. That's what I meant, isn't and, it? Yeah. Yes. And she's, she's from an old Fitchburg family, St. Germain that's, that's family, I mean. that uh, ran, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. yeah, and she was. So keep, she, it, keep in touch, I, I would recommend that, local mm -hmm. touch, you know. And she was just here this past Friday at the high school. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd love to see that, that's mm -hmm. good. She presented on meteorology and earth science, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep, yeah. and just her work, working with NASA. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right, moving on to our language proficiency data. So uh, just a reminder, this data point is from our access data, which is an assessment that our English language learners and our former English language learners take every January and February um, of each school year. So this is uh, data that's showing their progress um, in learning the English language, okay? So overall, at the K-8 level, as you can see here, we met our targets that uh, were set out by the state. Uh, you can see that we improved by 3.3%. Uh, and again, that is for K-8. to 
And then um, at the high school level, uh, we did have a decline of 6.1% uh, for our English language learners and former English language learners at the high school level last year. And then chronic absenteeism, which we're happy to report on. Yes, so I'm going to share first on the chronic absenteeism targets for non-high school. Okay, I'm happy to share that uh, we exceeded targets across the board and received fours in all areas. Uh, so really excited to see that, seeing the students come back after COVID. This was an area of concern for many, and so we're really excited to see that, you know, we are really turning the corner and moving forward. All right, now we are at the chronic absenteeism for high school. Uh, again, we exceeded targets. We want to highlight and, again, really advocate and share and acknowledge that our L and former L um, also improved their targets, but they did improve below target. And so I think that's really important to share. One thing that I do want to highlight is that currently Dr. Braga and his team are really leveraging uh, the support of, you know, their resource officer, the support of their ad administrative team. He will be talking about this plan, I imagine, in a future uh, meeting. I know his policy is completely around this plan and really advocating for looking at a way to really incentivize the attendance and prioritizing connecting with students and really engaging in dialogue with students to really understand their needs and why uh, you know, they might not be present at school uh, and, and really connecting families so that, uh, you know, everyone is really invested in dialogue and support uh, to improve this area. Uh, the team is working to have attendance meetings and really have face-to-face -face dialogue with students to, you know, get them engaged in school, get them excited with school. So this is a conversation that is already happening and is at the forefront of Dr. Braga's mind. All right, we're almost there. I appreciate your patience. I know this is a lot to take in. So in summary, so I wanted to share with you kind of where the state is at. So in summary for the 2023 ELA and math data, it indicates that as a state, the achievement slide from 2019, again, the pandemic, before the pandemic, has halted and recovery is underway. Science results remain relatively unchanged, although slight uh, decreases in achievement. Grade three results signal a need to remain cautious about incoming testing grades, especially our pre-K and K during the pandemic. They're getting up there to be third and fourth graders, and a lot of these students we know learned how to read on a computer. So we're still addressing that. Still, we have significant ground to make up. Again, we're nowhere uh, near where we were before 2019. So we have a lot of work to do. And uh, last but not least, our state results mask varying district results. And then just kind of a quick summary. Again, we can see that our data um, at the K to eight level, we did see um, improvements um, in mathematics and science. Um, our growth in ELA um, and math, uh, you know, we met targets. Our progress at the K-8 level uh, for our English language um, learners, we met targets. 
Um, again, we talked a little bit about the ELA achievement data for um, K to eight um, uh, uh, regarding the implementation dip. Uh, what we're seeing happening because of our new program, uh, we know we know that we need to do a better job, especially at the high school level. We talked about the challenges that we had at the high school level last year. Um, we are uh, confident that we will see um, improvements. We are already seeing improvements at the high school level, um, and uh, we're happy to, um, we're really uh, encouraged in what we're seeing um, as a district right now. So uh, the big uh, piece that you'll see here is our accountability information. When our principals come on the 16th of October and November 6th, they will be reporting out um, on their accountability data. So we still have two schools in the bottom 10%, which makes um, us um, targeted in assistance from the SSOS which is the statewide system of support. They will be coming in and working with our two schools, Longs Joe and McKay, because they are at the bottom 10% of schools. That being said, there is some bright spots i like to uh, talk about. Uh, last year, Longs Joe Middle School, they were at the bottom 4%. They did have a 2% increase this past year, so they did improve two, two points, okay? And that also goes um, the same uh, for McKay. They were actually at 5% last year. They did improve one point, um, and now they are at 6%. So we, did, we have seen some growth um, at those two schools over this last year from the previous. Um, a couple other points. Crocker Elementary School, this year they are uh, at 34% uh, for a percentile. Last year they were at 36, so they did have a 2% drop. <coughs> Fitchburg High School. Um, Pittsburgh High School um, was at 16% last year. They did um, lose three points, so they now are at the 13th percentile. Memorial, Memorial, um, we're happy to say, had the largest increase in percentile. Last year, they were at 20%, and now they are at 33%, so they had a 13% or a 13-point um, increase. And then last but not least, at Rheingold, uh, last year they were at 43% uh, for accountability. Uh, they did actually decrease by 13%, uh, so now they are at 33%, same as Memorial. So when our principals come, they will be giving you key detailed plans on how they will be improving at their schools. Mr. Walsh. Question on McKay. Are the numbers adjusted from previous years when it was K through eight, where it now is only one through five? That's a great question. So obviously they don't have data for sixth, seventh, and eighth graders anymore. Okay. So that data went um, you know, to the other two middle schools. Okay. Right. Um, but they were based on um, data uh, for third, fourth, and fifth grade. Okay. They were the only school that actually had fifth grade data because the other schools, it was their first year with fifth grade. Right. So fifth grade still um, counted actually towards uh, McKay last year. Okay. Right. okay, thank you. Yep. Last slide, I promise. <laughs> so response to our data. We've heard that before. I promise, <laughs> I know. So what are we doing as a district? So as a district, we're aligning uh, our district and school-based systems and structures. 
uh, to our district prioritization in our district commitments. So this year, we're really focusing on making sure we're making our learning clear to our students, having something called learning targets and success criteria up in our classrooms, making sure our students know exactly what they're learning and the expectations around um, what it is they have to do in order to achieve uh, what they are learning. So that's going to be very clear in all our classes and we're working towards that this year. And then our teachers are making sure they're implementing effective lesson plans and actually lesson planning um, in their PLCs or other groups of teachers this year. Um, other pieces that we're doing is making sure that we're working with our principals, making sure that we are providing them um, support around giving teachers quality feedback. Um, and also making sure that evaluations are being uh, completed in a timely manner. That's something that, um, as a district, we need to do a better job at. Recently, I was at the urban superintendent's meeting, and they actually showed a slide um, for Fitchburg and the percentage of our evaluations that were completed um, in the last few years. And we have some work to do around that. So we'll be improving that as a district this year. Uh, the other piece is making sure we're aligning our professional development. We're going to make sure that all our professional development is clear and aligned to our district and school priorities. October 10th, we have our district professional development day coming up, and we'll be focusing on making sure uh, that we are uh, planning clearly and making sure we're planning lessons around clear learning targets and success criteria. And also we'll be focusing on um, our English language learners and looking at uh, the WIDA sta standards for them and making sure we're planning lessons uh, for uh, our students with those standards in mind. We're gonna be making sure that we are aligning um, and monitoring our teaching and learning happening in all our classrooms. Our admin need to be in the classroom supporting our teachers. Our teachers are asking for feedback. Our administration and our team will be doing a better job to make sure we're providing them with feedback and supporting them in order to meet the goals um, that they set out um, individually for their students in addition uh, to goals that we set out as a district. One of the things I wanted to make sure I lifted up is that our administrators will be taking a course this year called Analyzing Teaching uh, for Student Results. All of us, including our central office administrators, will be participating in this course. Um, this course will be making sure that admin really understand what good quality instruction looks like for our students, in addition to making sure that we're coaching and providing teachers with the support they need uh, to achieve uh, better results for our students. And again, we know that we need to do a better job at uh, providing support for our two subgroups identified, um, our special education subgroup in addition to our English language learner subgroup. So in order to do that, we're making sure that our professional development is aligned to those subgroups. We're continuing year three with our co-teaching professional development in all our schools. In addition, we are actually participating participating in a district-wide book study right now for our administrators looking at the book uh, Justice for ELs by Anaya Cooper and again we're making sure that all our um, administrators in addition to our uh, teachers are participating in the WIDA professional development. So I said a lot, I threw a lot <laughs> at you, I tried to condense it as much as I possibly could Questions on where we are right now as a district based on our 2023 accountability data. 
Looking forward to the MCAS. All right, we're on the last stretch here. What's the last stretch? Last stretch, two things. I'm gonna have Mr. Roach yeah, uh, some talk about there. our donations and grants right now, Mr. Roach. Yeah, so we have, um, we have a donation from the very robust Rheingold PTO. They, they do a great job over there. Uh, we have two grants to submit and one to accept. So the Rheingold PTO would like to donate a shed with an approximate value of $3,500. This would um, allow them to have quick access to activities for recess and outdoor uh, activities such as that. It's going to really, I think, coincide well with also the, the um, groundbreaking of their new playground, which should be uh, available in about a week. We just have a couple more things to do with the playground over there. So that's the donation, and these are reflected in action items 23-299-23-302 as well. So there are two grants to submit. One is the Behavioral Health Supports Grant from the Mass Department of Public Health. Funding is intended to help support the provision of school-based behavioral health services and to create safe and supportive school environments that are responsive to the impacts of trauma, including gun violence and other forms of violence on student learning and well-being. In addition, the Mass Teachers Association Mass Child Grants, uh, which would be up to, and that, that previous grant, uh, the amount is to be determined. Uh, the Mass Teachers Association Mass Child Grants would be the amount of $4,000, and that would be to offer help uh, helping students in need grants that would purchase clothing, shoes, hygiene products, food, books, and funding for extracurricular <coughs> expenses. Uh, those would be grants to submit. And then a grant to accept is the Innovation Career Pathways Grant, uh, continuing uh, with, that, with the Advanced Manufacturing and Environmental and Life Science Pathways that currently are at Fitchburg High School, the amount of $50,000 would support that programming. I'm glad to take any questions. Any questions on grants or donations? Just saying I'm impressed by the Rheingold PTO. Yeah, they, yeah they, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. Yes, impressive. They do a great job. Thank you. And then moving on, we have two policies that we would like um, to push forth for the first reading. The first policy um, is the school entrance age policy that I, we talked about earlier, that parent was here. Um, like I said, one of the changes I'd like to recommend is, um, and I gave you a new copy, but I actually have to add something else, that we change the date um, in it, uh, to read the following. Parents are encouraged to enroll in the Fitchburg Public Schools kindergarten program based on entrance age policy. Students must be five years old on or before September 1st. Can I just make a modification to that sentence? Absolutely. Okay, so I, if everybody agrees, I'd like it to read, parents are encouraged to enroll in the Fitchburg Public Schools kindergarten program based on the school entrance age policy period. Okay. Students must be five years old on or before September 1st of their enrollment year. That's okay. Would it be possible for you to give that to me in writing, your revision yeah, of will. the sentence? Yep, I will. Okay. Thank you. Yep. I'll give it to you mm. before I leave. <laughs> 
so I'll make that correction. Okay. Yeah. And we'll bring it up to us for a second reading next time. Yeah. Yeah. And then, Mr. Roach, you want to talk a little bit about door security, please? Yep. So the door security policy, essentially, in a nutshell, would be that all doors would remain locked at all times throughout the school day. So that it be exterior and interior. Uh, it would allow for doors to be open at times, especially the interior doors to, to provide for airflow. Um, but this, this would enable a quick ability for teachers to secure locked doors in the event that they needed to because of some situation that required that. Currently, uh, there are many doors in our district where a teacher would have to go into the hallway, take out their key, lock that door from the outside in the corridor, uh, which just takes a lot of time. And if it's a very stressful situation, that could be something that um, would be very difficult to do, especially if someone's nerves are heightened and, and, and they're frightened. So this policy would is pretty typical in many districts. And again, it would just require that the door remain locked. Again, teacher can keep it open, allows for airflow, a little bit of interaction potentially, but if they get the call, you need to lock down, or we have a situation that's happening, they just shut the door and it's already locked instead of having to go out and fiddle around with any kind of locking mechanisms. We do have some projects in the works that will change over the locking, interior locking mechanisms at several schools. But in the meantime, I think uh, the, the safety task force really strongly recommended this type of measure uh, to make it consistent across the district. Have we, Jeremy, have we taken a look at some kind of an alert system at the office of each building that says this door is ajar? Yes. So currently we're out, we're in the statement of qualifications uh, process for a designer for a surveillance system. Good. We got five, which is great. I'll be asking a school committee member or two to sit in as we rate those. Uh, one of the, the hallmarks of that plan that we've made very clear is we want um, door alarms on our exterior doors. We have over 265 exterior door sets in the district, well over 1,000 interior doors if you add them all up. So, so this would allow for an exterior door is pinned open or it just didn't lock properly or whatever. However many people the school decides to say, yeah, you're the one who's going to get the, the, the notification on your phone and an app system, typically, they're going to get it right away. Door 32 is open and immediately be able to respond to that. Good. Yeah. Good. I have I a question. A question. Yes. Uh, uh, two questions. I recall that uh, there was uh, a terrible scene where uh, an alarm was pulled or something and people were shot as they were exiting the school. So that wasn't an entry shooter. Have you discussed that scenario at all? That You don't need to answer, well, I mean, answer yeah, so, you like, but it's a... Right, I mean, there's, there's situations that have happened in some of these horrific school shootings that um, individuals have put a great deal of plan and thought into. <clears throat> The safety task force meets monthly. It tries to address tabletop exercises, situations. You know, what do you do if? Well, yeah, th yeah, that might be a scenario to talk yeah. about, though. I recall I, I that. Think, I think our, our focus as a district is first and foremost. Yeah, and hardening then of, of the doors and all that is very important. But that culture 
which I feel very confident our schools have, of welcoming, uh, comfortable kind of feeling between and rapport and relationships between the staff and the students and families is number one. That, that's the absolute, all the safety research out there suggests you can have the best locking systems and cameras and panic buttons and, you know, signals in, in your hallways that, you know, if there's a, a loud sound, it's going to trigger a lockdown. If, if you don't have a culture where the, the kids and the staff feel, and the student and the families, I mean, feel comfortable approaching teachers, feel comfortable approaching guidance counselors, administrators, deans, whatever we have, then that stuff isn't that that helpful. Right. I, I had one other scenario as well, because I went through one of these uh, recently, and uh, when you're on the first floor, it's all windows on one side. Yeah. And uh, any thought given to what to do about windows? Yeah, so, so you know, I mean, again. I think we just put some window film in, in a, a situation that was very exposed at McKay. Um, it's an 8-millimeter 3M window film, shatter resistant. That helps that, that it was a very exposed area. Yeah, it because really uh, they were, they were, the children were asked to hide. Yep. Long but Joe, there's a way to hide a, with all the windows, you know, like project, all of Yeah, it. certainly. I mean, I yeah. think there's a project at Longjoe to, to address the interior doors. They have two-by-two two panes in their classroom doors, which is typically it's about a six-inch wide by about a foot long with a yep. mesh in it. These are just panes of glass. So we're getting those swapped out as well because we are looking at those scenarios where, you know, you want to minimize even just accidents. Someone yeah. bumps into a, to a window like that, they could get hurt. Um, but no, you may bring up a great point. In those types of topics, I know some of the folks who were here earlier attend the safety task force. I invite everybody. It's October 18th is the next one, um, most likely at the Memorial Library. So, so yep, that's a great, that's a great example. Mm Two minor editorial items on the um, door security. In the Spanish section, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could say that, but I can't. I'm sorry. But on, on in, the, in the first paragraph, the uh, third line from the bottom, it, it should be written, the doors, it should be apostrophe S, not just plural. <laughs> well, it's, I like it, Jim. Well, it should be correct. That's the, right. No the doors times. locking mechanisms. Oh, yeah, oh yes. Okay. Thanks. And then... In item number three, uh, the door should be report to school, should be reported to school administration. Reported. Yes, thank you. Yep. Appreciate it. We will make those corrections. Yep. Thank you. Are we on? We are on. We are going to, oh, is there a, Desire to bundle the uh, yes. Make, items? Yes. Make a motion to bundle 23-296 uh, yep. and 23-299 through 23-304. And I say it because I believe we're We've postponing 23-297 yeah. because we don't have a... Well, not until right. we get someone right. that's committed. And we already approved... Item number 23-298. So we're DC. holding that. Okay. Yeah. I'll second the motion. All right, second. 
All in favor? Aye. 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 All opposed? It is unanimous. Thank you. Make a motion to approve the bundle. Motion made. Second. And seconded to approve the bundle. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? It is unanimous. No need for executive session. Motion to adjourn. Mr. Ch Mr. Chairman. Okay. Yes. And let's say, um, just wanted to uh, ask everybody to keep the uh, main family in prayer. A former colleague of ours for many, many years, Richard Maynard, uh passed away. Yeah. So he, Margaret, his sister, was a longtime teacher in Pittsburgh as well. Yeah. Keep the family Thank in you. Mr. Stevens and I were at the wake tonight when attended in Lemonster. Okay. Motion to adjourn. Second. 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 Motion. Motion made. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. We are adjourned. Aye.